You're listening to the Course Report Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Course Report is the most complete resource for coding boot camps. On our site, we have thousands of reviews, hundreds of interviews, and a full directory of every coding boot camp around the world. On our podcast, we're sharing everything you need to stay up to date on this blossoming industry. Whether you're a boot camp founder or a future student, we hope you'll learn something on the Course Report Podcast. Welcome to the March 2020 Coding Bootcamp News Roundup. I'm Liz. And I'm Jess. And we are from the Course Report team. So each month we round up all of the most interesting bootcamp industry news that we read and chatted about in the Course Report office. Although most of March we chatted from afar because of course we've been isolating and working from home. Um, So this episode is going to be a little bit different because in March we saw all of the typical news from boot camps, big fundraises, some regulatory news, new courses launching. But of course, the news from so many boot camps is about how they are responding to coronavirus, COVID-19, and the fact that most students are now learning from home. And just to put this in perspective, let's rewind to Friday, March 13th, when the stay-at-home orders started coming in. Um, South by Southwest was canceled, and that was where Flatiron CEO Adam Enbar was originally scheduled to give a talk called This is Why the Workforce Isn't Doomed about Automation. And then by Monday, most schools had put out updates, and we started sharing all of those on our blog. We'll link to that blog post when we publish this. But Jess, would you just go through really quickly and give us all of those updates from schools? Yeah, sure. So the following schools are moving to online or remote or virtual classrooms until it's safe to reopen. Um, So Burlington Code Academy, Code Chrysalis, Product School, Noble Desktop, which is also doing a bunch of um, cool free seminars, um, Learning Fuse, Launch Academy, Momentum, Red Academy, New Camp, Lighthouse Labs, New York City Data Science Academy, Lighthouse, Full Stack Academy, Codesmith, Metis, Digital Crafts, Dev Mountain, Savio, Makers Academy, Tech Elevator, Project Shift, Flatiron School, Iron Hack, Brain Station, Codeworks, Galvanize, Hack Reactor, and General Assembly. All right. That's a lot of schools that transitioned online. Other schools were already online and were making interesting moves. Like, for example, Promineo Tech is giving away three full-ride scholarships to their online software developer programs, and 365 Data Science is making all of their courses completely free until April 15th. So now it's the end of March, and most bootcamp students are now learning from home. According to a UNESCO report published on March 24th, there are 1.42 billion students out of school right now due to the coronavirus spread. And what we're seeing is boot camps spring into action and prove that they're able to iterate quickly, much more quickly than traditional education. We've also seen some really optimistic moves by boot camps that we wanted to mention. For example, Codesmith gave their current students $1,000 remote stipends to set up their homes for remote learning. And then Thinkful announced $1.5 million in scholarships and are offering their part-time courses for free for 30 days. And Launch School, also an online school, announced a $25,000 fund for hardship scholarships. Very cool. Um, And this raises a lot of questions about the future. Is this just an impetus to kickstart online programs for all of these in-person schools? Um, Once the curve is flattened, will boot camps go back to in-person classrooms? So here are a few theories. 
Um, first, Ed Surge published a piece called COVID-19's Long-Term Impacts on Education in 2020 and Beyond. They're mostly looking at the impact on higher ed and predict that education will remain counter-cyclical to the market, meaning that demands for educational services increase in times of economic downturn. But because short-term boot camps now exist, they predict people will choose those options instead of longer and costlier programs. They also bring up a good point about ISAs in that EdSurge piece. In a world of job losses and hiring freezes, ISAs would be even more attractive to students because obviously you aren't paying your tuition until you get a job. Um, at the same time, ISAs could be facing this kind of existential risk as the ISA business model you know, only pays providers once their graduates actually get jobs. And Kristen Sharp, a partner at Entangled Solutions, says that this is an instance where temporary government policies could be really helpful and suggesting that the government should extend the Pell Grant program to temporarily cover non-degree programs, too. That's something they're already talking about. So mm-hmm. um, that will be very interesting to see. And then a Canadian publication called The Logic asked a ton of CEOs what the government should do to help the economy through this COVID-19 crisis. And the CEO of Lighthouse Labs, Jeremy Shockey, said, quote, what we at Lighthouse Labs have seen is a need for commercial lease forgiveness for small businesses, as seen in France. The physical space cost is one of the bigger ones for many companies and the most useless at the moment. So if rent was forgiven, a much higher rate of businesses could weather this storm, um, which is really interesting kind of on the ground uh, feedback from you know a school that's running an in-person program now online. Ed Surge also made a prediction about the influx of MOOCs. Um, Udacity announced that it would make nanodegree programs free for one month to help students looking to develop new skills in response to COVID-19. And Quincy Larson, the founder of Free Code Camp, said, I think a lot of people didn't realize that there were so many free online courses. They were so busy working. This is a big wake-up call for people that you do need to keep up your skills and adapt to changing circumstances. Which leads us to some quick speculation about the future. So the New York Times published an article wondering if big tech would emerge from coronavirus even stronger than ever. Um, Obviously, streaming sites, communication apps, delivery apps, cloud computing um, in a huge way are all soaring. And another thing that we do know is that the tech industry is uniquely able to work from home and tech workers won't be impacted as much as other industries um, like retail, service and hospitality, which we're already seeing affected. So tech jobs will also be impacted but they are more stable in this situation. And the short-term economic downturn is a time to build your tech skills so that you're in a position to capitalize as the economy rebounds. So with everyone learning remotely these days, we posted a few resources on Course Report to make the most of your online bootcamp. Um, Liz, what do you think is the most helpful for students who are just trying to get a hang of working remotely? Yeah, so we have tons of tips, but here are my favorites. Uh, So first, set up your calendar to block out time for studying, being in class, working on projects, pair programming, etc. And then actually defend that time, respect that time, use your calendar. And then the second is to choose your environment. So usually we would tell you that if you can't, you know, create an office for yourself at home, then find a coffee shop, a co-working space, a library. But since that's not possible, 
right now, um, then you can take Georgie Gao's advice, who is a graduate of Brain Station Online and told us, quote, I used noise canceling headphones. I found it handy that I have two computer monitors at work and a laptop, and I would pull up the video on one monitor and study materials on another. So you don't have to have like a completely separate space, but uh, create that kind of like classroom environment in your corner of your apartment. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And finally, find the course that makes the most sense for you. Um, If you want to learn live online, we've got recommendations for that. If you want to learn flexibly on your own time, self-paced, we have recommendations for that too. So just read the full article and we'll make sure to link to it. In the midst of all of the uh, commotion, there was actually a lot of interesting news still coming out of the bootcamp industry in March. So just what fundraises did we see this month? Um, Ed Surge reported that Paris-operated coding bootcamp Le Wagon um, closed a funding round of $19 million this month. The funding round was led by Cathay Capital and Africvest. Uh, Le Wagon is planning to use the money to create new courses and then expand its bootcamp to new territories. And the publication Multibriefs dug into K-12's $165 million acquisition of Galvanize. K-12's acquisition of Galvanize marks a new direction that EdTech is heading. For Galvanize, it means a substantial influx of funds for new projects, such as expanding its services and growing its corporate learning business. And that acquisition will also help propel K-12's hybrid high school and career training program. EdSurge also reported this month that Emerge Education, which is a London-based seed fund for startups focused on skills training and education, has closed on 10 million pounds for its seed fund. So that's about um, 12.3 million US dollars. Its backers include Trilogy founder Dan Sommer and former 2U CFO Rob Cohen. And just to jog your memory, remember that 2U bought Trilogy in 2019. Yes, that fund will undoubtedly be an interesting one to watch, and we will let you know where they invest in the future. And according to TechCrunch, Microverse raised $3.2 million in seed funding from venture capitalists, including General Catalyst and Y Combinator. Similar to Lambda School, Microverse is a coding school that utilizes ISAs, but they focus on students in developing countries. So the startup currently has students in 96 countries um, in Mexico, Brazil, Kenya, Nigeria, Cameroon, and India. Microverse does not have teachers. Instead, students go through the online curriculum themselves with like online peer and study groups. Um, So that is an interesting fundraise for sure. And as for regulatory news in the bootcamp world, we continued to see coverage this month around Holburton School and Lambda School. Yeah, so Bloomberg got interested in Lambda School and ISAs in March. Uh, First, they published an opinion piece about ISAs centered around the question, what if people could sell stock in themselves? And then Claire Boston wrote for Bloomberg about the Lambda School ISA. I'll let our listeners read that full piece for themselves, but Claire does do a nice job of digging in and breaking down the actual ISA terms. Um, So I wanted to share this. So quote, she says, investors in the Lambda uh, offering receive a group of 1,000 students ISA payments until they reach a 13% return on their investment after fees. 
Lambda takes 60% of any residual cash flow after that, while investors get 40%. About 10% of students in the investment pool were working and making payments in December. 28% had graduated and were expected to begin making payments in the coming months, and the remainder were still in school. So about 86% of graduates whose ISA's Lambda holds were current on their payments, while 3.2% were 30 days delinquent, and 1.2% had fulfilled the terms of their agreements. So interesting, very uh, detailed piece in Bloomberg. You should read it if you're interested in ISAs, but I think it honestly shows like how complicated ISAs get when they uh, try to scale and put VC money behind them. And apparently a Lambda School employee, Sabrina Bayes, broke her NDA to talk about working at Lambda School. Yeah, there is obviously a lot of interest from tech writers around Lambda School as a company. I think that has a lot to do with their CEO being super outspoken and um, in Silicon Valley. Yeah. And we talked a lot about this in February's podcast. um, But in early March, according to CBS News, students filed complaints against Holburton School's San Francisco location. Um, accusing them of giving students credit for education not completed, as well as other things. Holburton has appealed the emergency decision, is now allowed to continue enrolling new students on a modified and discounted program that no longer includes a career track. That is very interesting to see that they're like able to now continue enrolling. Um, so that's a good update. We read a few pieces addressing the tech gap this March as well, and also how to increase diversity in the tech workforce. What is the scholarship uh, from Full Stack Academy? Sure. So Learn at Forbes and Full Stack Academy have announced that they will be providing 30 scholarships to incarcerated women engaged in Televerde. Through its partnership with the state of Arizona, Televerde provides women with professional skills and resources so that they can successfully re-enter society. So awesome. Um, We also saw another really cool new scholarship this month. UK's Fashion United reported that fashion resale platform Vinted and coding bootcamp Ironhack are now offering scholarships to encourage women to get into tech. Um, The scholarships can be used to enroll in either Ironhack's web development, UX, UI, or data analytics courses. And according to Campus Technology, Flatiron School is offering $3,000 scholarships called Access Scholarships to attract more students from underrepresented groups. They expect 35 to 50 applicants each month to receive one of these scholarships. And lastly, the Bangor Savings Bank in Maine awarded a grant to Maine's bootcamp Code Maine Coding Academy. Um, Code Maine Coding Academy provides tuition-free software development and professional skills training for underadvantaged high school graduates. Um, very cool. They're, they're meeting the needs of, it seems like, some more rural people up there who just are looking to upskill. And then before we talk about the new schools that launched in March, let's just share a few articles from the tech community about how they are thinking of coding boot camps, how CEOs and um, hiring partners are thinking of coding boot camps. First up, the CEO of Twilio wrote a piece for Fast Company in March. Um, Jess, you read that one, right? Yeah, I mean, it seems like ancient history now as we're wrapping up March. Um, But remember the Iowa Democratic primaries when an app was released? 
Um, it was supposed to make the caucuses that much easier. And instead, that app failed and failed big. It was all over the news. Alarmed by the amount of media saying the app's failures were all because of developers who did not have CS degrees, um, Twilio CEO Jeff Lawson and Fast Company wrote a key piece reminding everyone that the developers were not to blame. Um, we really appreciated Lawson's reminder to the tech community that all beginning developers, like all of them, whether they graduated from a boot camp or they graduated from a computer science program, they all need good mentors to become excellent, experienced developers. Uh, Lawson also cited his own company's apprenticeship program as a model for how companies can mentor and teach their new hires to fully integrate them into their teams. Yeah, that Twilio apprenticeship program is really cool. And we saw a few pieces this month about how companies will deal with the skills gaps on their teams, um, you know, asking, does it make sound business sense for a company to upskill their own existing employees um, and kind of digging into that. So the publication Real Leaders published an article that said 60% of U.S. based companies say that a skills gap prevents them from successfully implementing desired technologies, even though 89% of them want to adopt big data and analytics by 2022. And more than 70% are considering internet of things, web and app enabled markets, machine learning and cloud computing. Um, and so while it makes financial sense for a company to reskill about 25% of its workforce, Real Leaders says that coding boot camps could be the answer for the remaining 75% of the workforce that needs upskilling help. I really like hearing about companies that take team upskilling into their own hands and partner with boot camps to do that. Um, Built-in featured the ad tech and big data company Red Ventures and their apprenticeship program. So in 2016, Red Ventures, they realized they needed to quadruple their team size, but they were having trouble finding the tech talent for it. Um, so they were inspired by online resources like Coursera, and they created their own bespoke data professional development program. And now they're attributing their program with providing them the tech talent that they need, plus diversifying their team with a wider array of backgrounds. And then the CEO of Reviture, Ashwin Barath, in HR Technologist this month, suggested three impactful ways that companies can bridge the skills divide on their team now. So Barath reminds us that the best developers have solid, logical reasoning, complex problem-solving skills, and curiosity, uh, but not necessarily CS degrees. So he says, consider diving into a non-traditional talent pool to find tech talent. He also recommends companies form public-private partnerships to influence curriculum and academic institutions and help train students in the skills that they need today, as well as investing in a company apprenticeship program. And speaking of diversifying your team, we want to give a quick shout out to a recent Tech Republic article on tips for female developers. For women who are looking to get into the tech world or are already in it, Tech Republic says to combat any imposter syndrome with a strong support network, always keep learning and know your worth. Um, but I think there were nine tips in that article. So uh, definitely a good one for, for any women that are already in tech. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely include it in, in our roundup piece um, so you can dive into the full tips, all the tips. Um, and Forbes published a think piece this month by policy expert Wesley Whistle, who is currently a senior advisor at the policy think tank New America. And he was tackling the larger question of, are coding boot camps worth it? Um, Whistle says a lot more research still needs to be done on short programs such as coding boot camps. 
in order to create full transparency as to just how many graduates are getting well-paying jobs. Um, Whistle is concerned that low-income students may be lured in by the prospects of a short program that says graduates are going to make large salaries. Um, he believes short programs like coding boot camps should do more for their students, such as offering job guarantees to graduates. Which a lot of schools do in one way or another. So um, that's an interesting piece. Totally appreciate the skepticism. Um, and those are the right questions to be asking. But I think when we do that research and kind of dig in, we see that more times than not, boot camps are worth it. And so wrapping up this segment, WinCode published its annual Miami Tech State of the Union this month. WinCode has 10 trends on their radar this year, including a new preference for the programming language Elixir over .NET and a rise in full-stack JavaScript. WinCode also notes that AWS, Amazon Web Services, is now a must-know, which is totally uh, clear in this age of cloud computing, and um, DevOps skills are also in super high demand these days. Um, so we always bring you news about the new boot camps on the scene, and most of these stories are coming from the first half of March. So regardless, let's talk about all of the new campuses and schools that we know of, Liz. Yeah, so at the very beginning of March, Yahoo Finance reported that George Washington University announced its new FinTech bootcamp in Washington, D.C. That bootcamp is in partnership with Trilogy Education. Um, and according to AZ Big Media, Arizona's three Maricopa community colleges are now partnering with Promineo Tech to offer an affordable 18-week coding bootcamp focused on back-end software development. And it's been a big month for Full Stack Academy. According to Yahoo Finance, Full Stack Academy is now partnering with the University of North Florida to offer a part-time 26-week cybersecurity boot camp. And then Full Stack Academy is also expanding its partnership with the University of San Diego. Uh, so according to University Business, Full Stack will now offer a Full Stack JavaScript bootcamp with a 12-week full-time option and a 26-week part-time option. The Journal Times reported this month that Racine, Wisconsin's Gateway Tech has created an affordable 15-week coding bootcamp to meet the rising demands of that area. Um, graduates of this program will earn an IT Full Stack Web Developers Certificate. And Tulsa World reports that Holberton School, which just opened their new campus in Tulsa, Oklahoma, is going to be offering deferred tuition at the Tulsa campus. New Camp launched an affordable coding boot camp this month. According to Cision PR Web, New Camp's new boot camp is aimed at providing equal access to coding education to lower income and underemployed ind individuals with a discounted tuition of $2,000. And finally, Oil City News reports that the coding bootcamp called Array School is now creating an affordable apprenticeship program to make a coding education more accessible to those living in rural areas of Wyoming. Um, students in the new apprentice program would have four months of tuition-free coding training and then would be paid to work on projects for real-world clients like Visit Cheyenne and Flow State. And Array is now accepting applications for that apprenticeship program, which begins this fall. 
we also added six new schools to course report this month. Um, we just added 365 data science and jigsaw labs. And both of those are data science and analytics boot camps. We also added the coding boot camp of University of Northern Florida, which is a cybersecurity boot camp created in partnership with Full Stack Academy. We've added three more tech sales boot camps. So we added Growth Marketer Academy, Uvero, and Always Hired. So if you've graduated from any of those schools, go leave a review on Course Report. We also have a sweepstakes open right now for anyone who leaves a verified review on Course Report. And we're going to draw the winner of that $500 Amazon gift card on June 1st. Liz, we had so many great pieces, so many really helpful pieces published on the blog this month. What were some of your favorites? Yes, I love getting to wrap up this podcast episode with with our favorite pieces. Um, I got to work on a couple of guides to types of programming and career paths in tech this March. Uh, one was about low level programming, which you know we get asked all the time how to become a better developer, a more senior engineer, what to learn when you graduate from a boot camp, and low level programming is the answer to that. Um, it's key to understanding what's going on under the hood. Uh, and we got to put together a really comprehensive guide for beginners. And I also got to work with an instructor at Dev Mountain on a guide to QA engineering. So if you don't already know what QA engineering is, you may hear it called quality assurance uh, or QA testing. Um, QA engineers make legit salaries, like $80,000 on average. They need to know some coding for their jobs, for sure. It's definitely technical. And they're pretty crucial to the development life cycle. So um, check that guide out if you are looking for like a foot in the door in tech. Uh, QA engineering can be a really great first step. Liz, I'm having such a hard time choosing my favorite pieces from this month because there were just so many good ones. Um, So I'm just going to give a shout out to my top three picks. Um, I got to speak with two talented artists this month who are now in transitioned into the tech world. So Kasha is a dancer, a mom, and thanks to Career Foundry, she is now a Ruby on Rails developer working remotely for a software company. And she had so much great advice for women who are wanting to get into tech. So check out that piece. Um, I also loved hearing from Springboard student Stephanie, who is channeling her artistic sense and empathy into building a new career for herself in UX design. Um, So check that out if you're thinking about getting into UX design. Um, It's an online program that she's in, and it's also very self-paced, so could be a good option for you. Um, And my last shout out is to SV Academy graduate Baba, who has quickly risen up the ranks at Instapage from sales development representative to associate customer success manager. Um, he just he, he just had so many positive things to say about SV Academy. I've been thinking a lot about Baba's sage words. Um, he said, the thing about roadblocks is that you have to turn them into opportunities. Um, so check out Course Report blog for those pieces. Absolutely. That's really great advice from Baba. Very applicable. And I love that all of those were online students. So if you are now looking for an online boot camp or you find yourself in a remote classroom all of a sudden, uh, check out those Q&As on the blog. They've got really great tips and advice from folks who have done it before and like really made online learning work for them. Um, So thank you for sharing those, Jess. 
And it looks like this is this is the end of our March 2020 podcast. I can't even believe it's here already. Um, so thanks so much for tuning in. Um, keep checking in on Course Report for the latest about the online bootcamp opportunities. Um, most importantly, stay healthy, be well, um, and we'll see, see you next month on the April Coding Bootcamp News Roundup. Absolutely. And we love feedback. So remember to email us your thoughts at hello at coursereport.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please help other future boot campers find it by going to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to this podcast, subscribing to the Course Report podcast and leaving a review. We'll see you in April.